Good evening, Southeast Third listeners. It's your host, Aaron Rollins, here. Thank you for joining me. For my whole five listeners that are out there, <laughs> appreciate y'all tuning in. So uh, another week's gone by. Um, I said last week I was going to make a decision about my trip to New York, and I just got off the phone with the director of our venture, uh, Crystal, and she said she's willing to work with me about missing certain class uh, rehearsal days, and I've decided I'm going to stick it out. Um, it ain't going to be cheap. It ain't going to be easy. Um, heck, money's tight right now, but they want me. They don't necessarily need me, but they really want me. And it would be more of a headache to try to find someone new, especially with you know only a month and change of rehearsal times coming down the pipe. So uh, I'm in it, man. I'm in it to win it, so I'm going. Uh, even if the trip amounts to a hill of beans, as my... Grandma used to say, <laughs> if it don't amount to much, I'm, uh, I don't care. I made a commitment. I said I would do it. I drove all the way out there a couple weeks ago to try out. I might as well give it a shot. So um, I don't expect much to come out of this trip. But, uh, you know, we'll get to make some memories. We'll get to go see New York. And, you know, my military service is very important to me. And the Statue of Liberty is out there, which is an iconic American symbol. So I'm good to go see it. I don't know when I'll find time or how much it's going to cost me. I hear it's expensive to, to do anything in New York, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go check it out, so I'm doing it, and um, that'll be that. Anyway, uh, so there's that development. I am going to New York for the Rave Theater Festival, and I will be performing along some very talented castmates in the 911 Gnomes, a Christmas emergency play Originally written by Dr. Shelley O'Neill, the ever-talented Dr. Shelley O'Neill, and directed by Crystal, I forget her last name. Uh, but if you check out the website, www.ravetheaterfestival.com, you can find all the information about my play and all the other plays that are going to be going down. And I just heard from Crystal today that um, there's got a dance group coming from Australia to be in this. So people are literally coming from across the globe. And I don't mean that like, you know, some people that used to live in China that now live in the U.S. are coming and they've got Chinese background. That's not at all what I mean. I mean, people that live in Australia are flying to the U.S. They got to raise like 40 grand to do this, but they're raising it and they're coming. So they'll they'll be there anyway. So that is that new development. Um, another development is my work situation. So. I expected something totally different when I signed up at this place. I told them that I had a dog at home. Um, and yeah, this is this is some more complaining. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I am going to mix in some uh, some praise about work here pretty soon. So uh, I was expecting to be able to take time out of the work schedule to come home and let the dog out to go pee. Because if you know anything about dogs, you know they can't hold their pee in for too long or they get bladder infections. Just like a human. Although their timeline is a little bit more narrow, they don't have as much of um, a window of opportunity as people do. They can't hold it for a whole day. They got to pee, you know, within like six or seven hours, or uh, you know, over time, it's going to give them problems. Well, that hasn't been happening, and I've brought that up twice now that I needed to go home and let the dog out, and yet being there to to do your job is is more important. I've I made sure to mention this because we had to sit down a six week check in, quote unquote. And um, when we did that, 
you know, I had mentioned that everybody in there was really uptight. And I don't mean it as in the holier-than-now sense. I mean as in this work has got a lot of pressure that comes with it. Now, you have to understand, I just came from a job that nearly got me killed. It nearly fried my hand off. I was dealing with millions of dollars of equipment a month. Um, this, this job is not that serious on any level. Now, I understand that this is some people's jobs and their jobs are serious to them, but the conditions of this place are not that serious to the point where you, you can't disappear for 20 minutes to let a dog out to go pee. And that's literally all the time that I need. I don't even need the full 30 minutes, which Texas labor laws mandate you have to take after an eight-hour period. That's neither here nor there. Um, I was just hoping to, to work something out with a little more flexibility, but... With people and with changes coming the way that they are coming, um, it's been a little more, what's the word, strenuous than I anticipated. It's a kid's gym. How can this be so freaking challenging? Well, it is. It is. Uh, so our, our director, the lady that is directly above me um, and is directly above all the employees at the little gym, she is stepping down to take a teaching role. And she's been doing this with the owner since day one, so she knows this program inside and out. And she knows it really well. She, she rehearses it really well and executes it really well. She, uh, she's taken a job in Valley Mills, Texas as an educator for kindergarten. And um, that's a big change that's coming up. And we're all going to have to kind of bear the burden of her stepping away. Um, the position for, for her is going to be opened up. Hopefully we can get somebody qualified to step into that role. And before anybody suggests me, when people have... I have not been doing this long enough to take over that job. I'm just barely run, learning this job. And I made sure to mention that as well when we had our quote-unquote sit-down, that hiring people that have a background in this stuff is, is better than trying to pick somebody up off the street and teach them. Now, let me be clear about my credentials here. I taught combat medicine to people that didn't even speak English. Now, I wasn't standing in front of them talking in English and teaching them every day. There were moments where I assisted with different lessons, but we put lesson plans together. We got re re materials together. We did classes together. I gave special instruction for like carrying a patient on a litter when I felt that you know their technique was poor, coaching them and giving them um, points of direction to, to change and fix their technique. Um, I, I know how to teach people. And this company, you know, you get to do that. Um, so I, I am certainly qualified to teach people, but teaching in the way that this company prescribes has been challenging for me. Uh, what I've seen in my coworkers, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm better than anyone, and you know, my, my opinion is the best opinion, and you should believe what I'm saying. I would encourage you to see it for yourself at the Little Gym of Waco. Come see what I'm talking about. It seems a little robotic. It seems uh, a little dispassionate. It seems like, yeah, they, they like what they do, but they, they don't really care about their jobs. They want their money. They want their paycheck. They want to do their hours, and they want to go home. I, I have been struggling. It's been really hard for me to, to find a, an employer that has passion about their work. Now, have I found it? Yeah. Uh, ben Munson. My old uh, manager for the movie theater. He was the assistant general manager. He moved up to general manager. That dude loves the movie industry. He loves his job. He loves what he does. Even before he got moved up to general manager, he loved his what he did for a living. And as assistant general manager for a movie business, you don't make much at all, especially in the state of Texas. 
no matter if you've been there for three years or five. So for him to not have incredible pay, but to still love his job the way that he loved it, said something about him, not about the work. Because trust me, I was in a management position there myself. Work wasn't all it's cut out to be. But he loved what he did. He loved the people he worked. Excuse me. He loved the challenge. He loved the people that he worked around. He loved, you know, providing customers with a movie experience that was either life-changing or just generally satisfying. Um, you know, some of these movies that come out, they change lives, you know. Uh, Spotlight, the movie with uh, Michael Keaton, Mark Ruffalo, uh, Rachel McAdams, all those other people. Uh, that changed people's lives because, you know, it exposed a lot of stuff that had been swept under the rug. Um but he, he loves being in that environment. So guys like Ben Munson, he was very passionate about his job. Uh, Melissa, at this place I work at now, is very passionate about her job. And l- let me be clear here. All the people I work with, they're all 20-something-year-old ladies. And when I say 20-something, I mean like 22 to 25, if 25. I think, I think one of them is 24, and that's the oldest. Now, uh, we have another lady named Jeannie, and Jeannie loves what she does. She loves working with kids. She's got a lot of enthusiasm. Um, And and maybe it's just me. Maybe I don't know how to really see these people and how they show their enthusiasm for their job. But uh, I definitely don't think that um, what I need to see is there in some of them. Uh, But we did just get some teenage girls that were, you know, uh, one of them has a background in gymnastics and she can cartwheel like nobody's business she can back handspring she can round off she's got impressive talent and so with her being a teacher she's going to be a huge resource that we can utilize not just for the labor because there's a lot of cleaning involved but for the teaching aspect and doing these things correctly and showing them you know the right technique and, and helping them build that skill to be good at at, at, at different skills because i gotta tell you when i was the age of some of these kids 10 11 years old seeing your friend do a cartwheel just amazed me I couldn't do that crap. Heck, man, the gymnastics wasn't even available in little small-town currents, Texas. So these kids learning these tricks and these stunts and doing things that they do, they're, they're going to get to show their friends and impress them. And I'm not saying that they need to do that, but it's nice. It's nice to go to school and be like, hey, guys, look what I learned over the summer. And they go and they do a freaking uh, aerial. And that's where you do a cartwheel with no hands. You know anybody that can do that? So seeing, seeing having Cordelia, all that to say, having Cordelia to – teach that is is very invaluable um so yeah it was it was tough having that conversation yesterday at work when we did the quote-unquote check-in and i call i say it that way because it didn't feel like a check-in it felt like they were telling me you need to shape up do better or get out that's in the nicest way possible They're, they're very nice about how they presented it but the way and the wording that they have and i recorded it um the way that they worded it uh it felt like they were telling me that you know, if you don't do better, we're going to ask you to leave or they're going to ask me to step down. Um, and that was hard to hear. Um, I feel like at this job, I've taken on a lot very quickly. Uh, every day I'm trying to learn something and memorize it. Um, it's not so much new anymore, but, you know, lesson plans do change. The uh, structure of the gym changes every week. You rearrange the, the equipment inside. Um, lesson plans aren't exactly the same theme every week. Uh, they may be the same for different age groups. So for like 6 to 12-year-olds, you might have two different groups of 6 to 12-year-olds, but their themes will be the same. Um, so that's that isn't too hard. But trying to learn their technique and trying to learn their prescribed uh, pattern and plan has not been easy, to say the least. 
and there have been a few moments where I've said something wrong or done something wrong and the other workers have just shut me down and not only have they shut me down but they've complained about me uh, to the owner and the director and I'm you know I'm willing to admit yeah I, I made mistakes and I said something I shouldn't have said but I didn't realize that I was going to be met with this level of re it's I want to say rebuke but this level of admonishment. I didn't expect him to, to hit me this hard. I mean, you know, when I messed up something at the industrial mechanics shop, yeah, that was a big deal because some of that equipment cost six, $7,000 to replace if you broke it. I would get that. But here, I, I told some people that you get a discount on this if you're a member. Well, that wasn't true. Um, and the way that they, they said it when I was wrong about that, I was like, God, leave, guys. It's like you're... It's like you're smacking me in the face for saying the wrong thing. Good grief! What what is this? Why why am I being met with this sort of with this sort of uh, condes- condescension? Um, but I you know I understand they've been doing this for over a year now, so they expect people to say the right thing. They expect people to fall in line, and I, I get that because this is a franchise, and you have a corporate office that manages the franchise, and they say it's our way or the highway. And they've been doing it 30-something years. Um, and I, I step in and I try picking it up. And I, I, I kind of, how do you say, it's like it's like I'm riding the bike, but I wobble. So I'll get from point A to point B, but I'll fall down several times, maybe scrape my knee. So I'm going to end up getting it. But, man, it has not been easy the past six weeks trying to learn this job. Um, it's been nice to have support from friends that I tell them this kind of thing happens. Uh, my girlfriend, Jamie, um, was really cool about what she when when she said you can do this you can do this and I I kind of I kind of like that she has faith in me but in the same token it's a, I don't know if I believe it I don't I don't know if this is really a good fit for me uh, employment wise and the other day I just had a moment where I just sat in my car and I was like man if I can't do this what am I gonna do go work at a gas station again I did that before and I do not want to go back and I've been telling my brother and I've been telling a lot of people really that you know. I, I want to work. I want to live in a nice place. I want to have nice things, but I don't have to. I'll go live out of a goddamn cave and live off the land if I got to. I don't want to do that. That's tough living. Um, I I would rather you know live in air conditioning and have a soft bed to sleep in. But I've lived in the woods, um, and when I say lived in the woods, I don't mean like six months to a year. I mean we spent a couple of weeks. I think the longest we spent was thirty days. And uh, I know how it feels to, to take a shower with baby wipes. I know how it feels to pee behind a tree and hope nobody catches you <laughs> every day. I know how it feels to sleep on the ground for an extended period of time. Um, I know how it feels to have to scrounge for uh, warmth um, when it's freezing cold. I've, I've been there. I've done that. Uh, do I want to do that again? Not necessarily. But... <sighs> I'm not. I'm not in the best of positions to to find employment in this town. Waco, Texas is. It's not easy. It's not easy. You got to know somebody, or you got to have a degree. Um, a friend of mine that's like 24. She's got her degree uh, from Texas State Technical College. No, she's got it from Texas Tech, and she just got a job at the wetlands as a, as an administrator. And I've applied for a whole bunch of administrator jobs, but they all shot me down. I mean, I've got a typing speed of over 70 words per minute. I can use just about any application on the on Windows that you can think of. Um, and if you can think of some, some, some that I haven't learned, it won't be hard for me to pick it up. I just learned how to use the software at Art Gym in a week. So 
you know, give, give me some time, give me a chance, and I'll show you. Anyway, neither here nor there. It's been challenging for me to try to find uh, a place of employment that I actually like. Um, my last place, working at the industrial motor shop, the work wasn't bad. It was the tempo. It was the doing 15, 16-hour days back-to-back. It was the having people come down and tell you how to do your job and then walk away and go home at the end of the day at 4.30 or 5. Uh, it was the people saying that, you know, you've got to work Saturday and Sunday for the next three weeks. It, 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 but there was no reason for it, you know. They just wanted their bottom line to look good. It was hard to do that for $15 an hour. It was hard to sit there and make them millions of dollars and, you know, our highest paid employee who had been there for over 20 years was making 25 an hour. I, I sat there and I looked at that and I was like, is this how my life is going to turn out? I'm going to be 60 years old making 25 bucks an hour at this place, slaving away, getting my hand set on fire, uh, getting shocked. Uh, that's not enough. It's just not. I, I don't care what background you have, whether you're a four-year convicted felon, drug addict, or whatever. Oh, okay, let me back up. Not a current drug addict. If you're on drugs and you're making $25 an hour, you need to be happy with what you fucking got. That's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, I, I looked at my situation and it was like, you know, when I was in the military and I was getting a crap paycheck and putting my life on the line uh, for my job, that was different. I had federal benefits to look at. I was like, you know, I could die for this job tomorrow, but my family is going to be taken care of. In a big way, they're going to pay for my funeral services. They'll give me a headstone. Um, I've got service group life insurance that'll pay out like four hundred thousand dollars. It you know it'd be a good financial compensation. And I'm not saying that there's a value in life. It's just looking at that and saying you know for this company for this paycheck, but with these benefits, I don't feel so bad about putting my life on the line. Now the people I worked with that was different. But anyway, um, I looked at Evans Enterprises. And I saw the benefits of working at that place. I was like, this is not sufficient. It's not. I'm not doing this for a, you know, a, a worthy cause of protecting people's you know, religious freedoms from uh, ISIS or ISIL terrorists. I'm not doing that here. I'm feeding corporate greed. Um, I'm letting industrial energy companies jack up uh, bill prices to their customers so they can afford to fix these motors. Um, I'm making these six-figure-a-year executives look better by pumping out their uh, two-week-long project in one week. It, it's, it was hard to swallow those pills. You know, at 21 years old, I didn't know any fucking better. And so I was going overseas doing all this work and getting our commanding officers you know, accolades and ribbons and having shit to show for it. And I was okay with that back then because I wasn't aware. But, but since then, you know, I've, I've woken up. I've, I've become a, more aware of those, those things. And I see these executives lying in their fucking pockets. And if you don't think it ain't happening at Evans just because I say so, you don't trust me, that's fine. Go in there and see for yourself when they sell that fucking copper under the table. Anyway, um, I saw that and I was just like, that's adding more fuel to the fire. And then we had personality clashes with the management. That added more fuel to the fire. And then all these things started changing. We had to do all this and all that, and I'm like, man, I'm just trying to do my job. I'm just trying to do my job well, and I'm trying to care about what I'm doing it, what I'm doing, and be proud of my work. But y'all are making it real fucking hard. Anyway, all that to say, it's been a struggle. Um, and you know, working at this place, if I can block out the personality conflicts I have with some of these these women that I work with, uh, 
uh, personality conflicts I'm having with some of these women I'm working with, if I can get past that and just focus on the children, I believe I'm going to like what I do. I believe that working with these kids and teaching them and and going over everything I need to go over to build their skills and give them something that they can grow with, sports skills, karate skills, dance skills, gymnastic skills. If I can focus on that alone, I believe I'm going to turn my mindset around because right now it's kind of in the toilet. Um, having to hear what I had to hear from my, my bosses was kind of hard. And, you know, I take my time in my car and complain and shout and get mad. And then I go in the next day with a smile and I started kind of keeping to myself. At first, I was trying to, to pal around, crack jokes and uh, have a good time, listen to some music while I was cleaning and stuff. And I think that kind of shut everybody down because they just wanted to get their pay and go home. And I was like, well, we're going to work together. Let's have some fun. Well, they don't have fun the way that I have fun. So <laughs> that um, that kind of got put out there pretty fast and... Uh, I've had to I've had to adapt, so it's been a different it's been a change. Um, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad. It's definitely not what Evans Enterprises was. That's for sure, man. That was just horrendous. That's horrendous. And you know, it's it's changed so much since I left. From what I've heard from the people that work there, the guy that had my job, he does a an eight to five, maybe an eight to six, maybe once a week he'll stay late, but he goes home, and that's that. There ain't there ain't no making him stay. There ain't no talking him in the stand. He he leaves. He's got a kid at home. He's got to go home. Anyway, um, so the, you know it's it's this is not Evans. This is by a far cry from Evans. I don't make as much money, but at least my fucking hand ain't getting set on fire. Uh, other than that, um, I've got a big trip coming up to Michigan. This dog that I've been taking care of and talking about for, for over a year now. Um, I'm going to finally drop her off with her family July 4th. Uh, so how she came into my possession, and I'm not sure if I've talked to my listeners about this. Uh, she was living with the family that has had her since she was probably like a month old, maybe two months old. And they raised her in an apartment. They finally moved to a house. They bounced around here, there, and everywhere, and they've had her that whole time. Um, she turned seven this year, I think. Last year, uh, she was uh, dropped off at her in-law's. And they, they were asked, the in-laws were asked to take care of her. Family moves up to Michigan. They don't want to take her because the landlord says you can't have pets in this house. So they didn't want to get caught with a pet there and have the landlord, you know, kick them out. So, or give them a hefty fine that they couldn't afford or whatever. So they asked the parents to keep her. And the parents said, you know what, we can't do this no more. She sheds too much. We have to come home and take care of her. We don't want to keep taking care of her. Either you guys come get her or we're going to give her away. Um, when they told me, when the family that owns her told me that I kind of like, whoa, somebody, they're going to give away that dog. I've known this dog for, you know, over five years now. And, uh, to hear that, I was like, man, you guys need me to take care of her. They asked me and I, I said, yes. So I, I had no problem because imagining Nira being taken care of by another family was hard for me. Uh, yeah, she'll be happy there, but she won't be with the family that has raised her. She'll be with somebody new. Um, and, you know, I, I would hope that they would take good care of her. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they would take really good care of her. But that's not where she belongs. Um, she needs to be with that family in Michigan. She needs to be with those kids. That's the family that she's been raised with. And, you know, it's it's like giving a kid up for adoption when you don't really want to. But for some reason, you got to. Yeah, that's 
It's who knows how that child is going to grow up. And with Nira, you know, who, who knows how much longer she's going to live. She might make it to 12. She might make it to 15. And so she needs to be with her family in that time. Um, it's just what needs to happen. So I'm going to do my part and drive on up to Michigan. I'll take you guys along for the ride for some of the way. And uh, we'll see how it goes from there. I'll keep you guys updated on that. My performance with the uh, Waco Poet Society got pushed to the 27th. The girl that hosts it ended up getting real sick um, the day that we were supposed to go out there. So she's like, I can't do this. We got to reschedule. So we rescheduled, which is great because now I can practice. I can rehearse. I can get some uh, new material written down, which I've got a couple ideas floating around. And uh, I will be putting that on paper. Uh, I got a song that I wrote, which I only wrote the lyrics. I didn't actually write the music. I can't write music to save my life. I'm sorry. Um, I've got a sound in my head, but trying to put that sound on paper, I, I just don't have the skill. I don't have the skill or the knowledge. So um, I've got I've got some other stuff that I've written. Uh, I tried to write some more on my books, but man, I just have not had the inspiration. It sucked. And and when I look at my agreement with the publisher about my novel that's supposed to be coming out this year, I don't think it will. I think it's coming out next year, and that kind of bumps me out because I was really hoping it would be published and then in print this year. I'm paying a crap load of money for it, um, but that's just not that's just not happening. Uh, but my novel, I am excited to finally get that thing into print. I'm so excited to finally have my book out there for people to read, and I've got a sequel coming up for it. I'll probably finish that next year. Um, I don't. I'm not gonna try to hustle and get that done before Christmas. I just. I'm just not. Uh, I've got other projects that I want to work on uh, for written word stuff in the meantime. Um, the Apothecary stories. Oh, man. So I'm really excited about Baron. And that's an original story that Shane and I created as kids. But The Apothecary is a story. I took some inspiration from Warhammer 40K, made an original character, and just ran with it with my military background. And it's it's the most original creation I could come up with. It's and what I mean by that is like the characters are people that you can relate to. It's a it's a science fiction story for sure. It's got a little supernatural in it, but the characters are like you could imagine seeing them on TV. the The jokes are relatable. It's in modern time. Um, writing the Baron novel is it's it's all fantasy fiction, and so that's kind of challenging for me because even though I've read those novels and I've had you know interactions with people of a fantasy fiction mindset. Um, you know, medieval times. There's a, a, a LARP group here in Waco that I've, I've met with them and talked to them about the culture. Uh, it's hard for me to write that style. It's just hard for me to put that those thoughts in my head and then translate those to paper. That's what took me so long to finish Baron. Um, but the apothecary story, oh my goodness. I, I, I get chills writing that story because I, I can feel the uh, the characters and how how good these characters are going to turn out over time. Maybe not right now. People are going to be like, oh, that's not very impressive. But when you see the stories grow and develop, um, I've been working with Michael Ponce on uh, him doing his own series. And his book series and my book series are going to supplement each other. So kind of like when you saw... What's a good movie that did this? Uh, it had something else going on in the background. Oh, gosh. So... In Avengers Endgame, and they were traveling back and forth through time, and you saw scenes from other movies happening, like, uh, 
what was it, the first Avengers, where they were capturing Loki and they're trying to get involved in all that. His book is going to be kind of like that. Now, there's not a group going back in time to change this, that, or the other, but you're going to see parts of my book and his book. You're going to see parts of his book in my book, and our characters are going to progress through the stories. Um, it's going to be some supernatural aspects to it that I think are really going to be captivating. Uh, there's going to be some science and technology aspects to it that are going to be real captivating, like traveling through black holes and what that looks like, um, interstellar travel, uh, the interstellar travel and traveling through black holes. What ends up, what's going to end up happening later on, spoiler alert, is that the, uh, the apothecary, the main character is going to travel into the future. And I don't know enough about time travel to talk about traveling into the past. So I think for our purposes, we're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let time travel in reverse happen, only time travel forward. So uh, more on that as the story progresses with the apothecary. Um, I'm very excited about him. Uh, his personality and the characters that he meets. Most of the people in the first novel, the characters that are going to be in it, uh, most of their personalities are based on, pe are based on people I've actually met. Uh, and that's what that's what I like so much about that book is that the the characters are based on real people, which makes it easier to bring them to life. It makes it easier to write natural dialogue for them. It makes it easier to come up with witty remarks, with uh, plans and projections that are that are realistic. You know, granted, it's in a supernatural aspect in the first book, and later on, you know, it's going to be in the future, so there's going to be more technology. But the people remain the same. Their their conversation and their culture remains the same. So. I'm very, very excited to finish that novel, and I'm sorry for talking your ear off about all that. Um, what else is going on uh, in this in this part of uh, – in this phase of my life? Uh, what do we got? We got the Wake Up Poets Society. Told you guys about that already. Um, oh, that trip for the Rave Music Festival – Rave Theater Festival. We have raised so much goddamn money. I cannot begin to express to you. It's It's thousands of dollars. So I told you that that group from Australia's got to raise like forty. We don't have to raise that much because we live in the U.S. But the trip is going to be expensive, um, at least over fifteen grand, and we are over half the way there. I'm not going to give you the exact number because a lot of this stuff is coming from anonymous donors, and there's a lot of ins and out of it that we have to be really quiet about. But uh, the money is there, and this is going to be real freaking exciting. We are we are just elated. Um, Oh, I'm going to be making a trip to Florida before too long for this company that I work for. It's called Reunion. Uh, every year they bring the staff in and they go over some training aspects that are very important for their professional development at, a, at the company we work for. And so um, I'm going to be doing that for about a week. So I'm going to be moving around a little bit here over the next uh, six months. Well, three months. Yeah, July, June, July, August. Yeah. The next three months I'm going to be moving around quite a bit. Um, that's what's new for me. I appreciate y'all listening to me. Uh, stay tuned for um, my performance on June 27th with the talented Christopher Danish as we do a joint performance at the Waco Poet Society. I'm going to try to line up some more uh, guest appearances with some more veterans. You guys know my veteran history is important to me, and I want to bring on some more veterans to talk about their lives and their deployment history and maybe some other experiences they've had. So keep on listening and I guarantee you, you're going to find something that you like. <laughs> Thanks again for listening, everybody. This is Aaron from Southeast Thirds signing off.